0: I'm Michael Maui, and this is Michael the Storyteller Tells Tales. This is a story from Ireland. It's a tale from Kathleen Green about Philip and the Pooka. Now before I tell you this story, I need to tell you about Pookas. Uh, if you're not from Ireland, you might not know of them. A Pooka is a kind of a fairy animal. Uh, could be a large black dog. It could be a six foot, three and a half inch invisible rabbit. That would be the one there by the name of Harvey that you'd meet in the Jimmy Stewart film. Or in this particular case, it could be a small white horse with a long mane and a long tail. Here then is the story of Philip and the pooka. And you should know this much. If you ever encounter a pooka, you know, treat it with care. You don't want to give offense to a poker. As your man Philip does in this tale. There was a fellow by the name of Philip. Now Philip he was a breeder of horses. If you were needing a good strong plough horse or a fine light hunter, ah, you can be sure to find it in Philip's sweet pasture. Even the piebald pony belonging to Tundra Tinker. That was one of Philip's rearing. Well, One afternoon, your man Philip, he goes out to check up on the horses and a most interesting sight met his eyes, for galloping round and round round the pen was a little wild white horse with a long mane and a long tail. And wasn't every other horse there in the pen chasing after the little wild white horse? Well, when Philip saw this horse, he says to himself, he says, Boys, boys, what a beauty! If I could tame her and if I could train her, ah, she'd be well worth the trouble, so it would. And so, he called for the horses to stop. Whoa! Ah, but they paid no heed to him. They just all kept going round and round about the pen. And then, he reached into his pocket, I always kept a few of the sugar cubes in the pocket there, and he Pulled out the sugar cubes. Ah, oh, that always had the horses stopping for the cube of sugar. But ah, oh, not this time. They just kept galloping round and round. And so, your man Philip, he made a noose and a rope that he had with them. And he thought to himself, ah, if he could only throw this noose over the wild white horse's head and capture it. And, you know, tame it and train it then. But Philip, he should have thought that he was about to do a very foolish thing. He'd never go and try and capture a polka. But he wasn't thinking at all. And he's waiting on the field as the horses go round about the one corner and they're coming around the other side. And they're just about coming around. And they're turning the last spin and they're coming. But instead of coming right by him, they're charging right at him. And instead of tossing the rope, he dropped it and jumped out of the way. But just as the wired white horse was running by, your man, Philip, he made a grab at the horse's wired white tail. And he gave it a great pull. <laughs> and he says, come back here, you. Oh my gosh. You'd never go and pull the tail of the puka, But there he goes and he pulls the tail upon it. All four legs left the ground. And when that horse came back upon the ground, it went scamper off, and your man Philip, he just had the tail hairs of the polka in his hand. When well, he's frustrated, disgusted with himself, and he goes into the house, and he goes in the door there. Now, the wife, Maureen, was not nearby. She was there in the kitchen making the bread. But his mother-in-law, Maureen's mother, Agnes, was sitting there by the turf fire in her wheelchair, She has the bad rheumatism, you know. Well, when she sees the son-in-law, Philip, coming in, she goes, ah, Philip, what's that you have in your hand? Him having the tail hairs of the puka, the wild white tail hairs. But he says, ah, nothing of any importance, mother. And he sets the tail hairs down upon the table and he goes out the other door in very bad mood, very bad spirit altogether. Well, Maureen, as I said, she was there in the kitchen, making the bread, kneading the dough, kneading the dough, you know, leaning into it, you know, really turning the dough there. Well, she finished that up and brushed off her hands and she comes into the other room there where the mother Agnes is sitting at the table. And she sees, she sees the horsehair there. And she goes, oh, mother, I meant to tell Philip this morning to get me some horsehair so that I could mend that cushion of yours. And here he's gone and thought of it himself. Let me just get that bread into the oven and then I'll fix up your cushion. Now you see, in those days, a cushion was filled with horsehair clippings of the tails of the horse, you know, to make them soft. Well, she said, yeah, just let me get that bread into the oven and then I'll fix up your cushion, mother. And Agnes, sitting there in the chair, she goes, Oh, that'll be fine, dear. It's good to have a bit of support at your back when you're stuck in an old chair all day. Indeed it is. Well, Maureen went into the room and she put the bread into the oven. She came back in a jiffy there and then she took those... She took those wired white hairs off of the table. She had the cushion there and she goes and she takes the her hairs in her hand and she goes to bed and, uh, She goes to bed, Oh, my goodness, she says... Oh, mother, these, these horses, these horse hairs, they're, they're harder than any wire. I, I, I've never encountered anything like it in all my days. And uh, finally, she's able to bend them over once. And, and with a great effort, she bends them over a second time. She stuffs them into the slit of the cushion and she begins to stitch it up. After that, she fluffs up the bit of cushion, sticks it behind her mother's back. And she goes, ah, oh, there it is. That's, that's done for your mother. And Agnes looks up at Maureen and says, Oh, thank you, dear. That's comfort indeed, it is. And Maureen says, "Uh, I'd best go back and check on the bread. And she goes back into the kitchen. Well, after that, your man Philip comes back into the room. Now, mind you, he has no idea what's happened there with the cushion and the horse hairs. And he's still in bad spirits, but he sits down, gets the newspaper out, opens it up, and begins to read. Now, he's sitting a bit further back from his mother-in-law, Agnes. And she she has her back to him. But all of a sudden, she gives a bit of a jolt and she says, Philip, stop pushing into my chair like that. And Philip, he looks over the top of the newspaper and goes, Mother, I didn't touch your chair at all. You did indeed, you gave it a great bump and don't do it again. Well he goes back to his newspaper and a few minutes later she gives another jerk as if there's a great push at her lower back She goes Philip, there's no humour in it at all I told you, stop pushing into my chair Mother I'm in no humour myself and I would not give a push into your chair I don't know what's gotten into you at all You gave it a great bump, now don't do it again Well now, he was a bit curious, so he was kind of looking over the top of the paper, keeping an eye on her. And didn't it happen a third time, where she, whew, she gets a little jolt from her back, and, and this time, the chair actually rolls a bit across the floor. Well, Philip, he sits down the paper, he goes, Oh, mother, I don't know what's gotten into you. Maybe a bit of fresh air will do you good. And he walks over, and he opens up the door. Oh, fresh air. Fresh air is what she got, all right. For you see, Agnes did feel a bit of bush at her back. But it wasn't your man Philip who did it. It was those tail hairs of the polka. You see, they didn't like being stitched up inside that cushion. And they wanted to be reconnecting to the polka's tail. Indeed, they did. And you know, when the tail hairs of that polka, when they felt that fresh breeze coming in, they knew that that was their chance and opportunity, and if they had to take an old woman in a wheelchair with them, was well, so what of that? So when that door opened, all at once, Agnes's chair went barreling out the door, and, and there went flying. Oh, Philip could hardly believe his eyes, and he saw uh, the mother-in-law. Her two eyes were as big as round saucers and her mouth was in a great O as well and, oh, and off she went through the door. Philip, he ran up to the door. He stood there. He stood there in the archway of the door and he could see Agnes flying away out of sight. Down the road with a pile of dust flying up behind her. Well, of course, Maureen, she heard all the noise. She came rushing in from the kitchen and she goes, Oh, Philip, Philip, what's, what's, what's happening to my mother? And... Philip he reported truly. he says, Oh, I I have got I've got no idea, Maureen. I, I, I was just sitting here, I opened the door, and all of a sudden your mother, her eyes, they get they get wide as saucers, her mouth is a great big all oh, and oh she goes flying out the door right about the wheelchair, and then she goes flying right out of sight. And she goes, Oh my goodness, how could such a thing happen? I I've got no idea. I, I was just sitting here. She kept complaining. Uh, 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 about this push at her back, but I thought I was doing it, but I was doing nothing to her at all, Maureen, I swear, I, 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 I swear upon my own mother's grave, I was doing nothing to her at all. Oh, Philip, and I, 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 I just restuffed your cushion with those with those tail hair clippings that that you had got for me from from one of the white horses. I got you no tail hair clippings. Oh no, indeed you did, husband. They're they're right there on the table. Oh no, those those came from a little wired white hair with a long mane and tail and. <gasps> And they looked at each other and Maureen and Philip, they put their hands to their faces and they both said at the same time, Oh, the polka, you can try it yourself, Oh, the polka. And now they both understood This has had to do in some way or another with the magic of the polka. And Maureen, she looked at the husband and Maureen spoke and she said, Philip, Philip, you've gone and lost my mother. I don't care if she's gone to the other side of Ireland. I don't care if she's gone to Tiernanog. you go and find her. And Philip says, oh, no matter I, I won't be going to the land of the sea, the land of the ferrets. I won't be going to Cherninog, But I will find your mother. But but look, it's, it's getting dark outside the now. I could never find her in this darkness. As soon as it's daybreak, I would take the fastest horse in the stable. And I will follow after that track and I'll find your mother in no time at all. Well, your man Philip, he was true to his word. And the next morning, he got up early and he went out into the field. All the horses were gone. Evidently, they had all followed that wild white horse. When she had escaped from the pen, and all of Philip's horses had gone after her. Well Philip, he went back and he reported to the wife and he said, oh, I can't take the fastest horse, I can take no horse at all, Maureen. We have no, no horse in the field or stay, with them. they're all gone. And Maureen, she looked at the husband, she goes, Oh Philip, you will go and you will find my mother and bring her back to me. And Maureen went out into the shed, and she got the rusty, rickety old bicycle, and she wheeled it out, and she said to Philip, she said, you'll mount this, and don't come back here without my mother. And Philip, got upon the bicycle, took hold of the two handlebars. Oh, he hadn't been on a bicycle in many a year, and he started to pedal down the road. Well, he stopped at the garage because the tires were quite low, and he needed to get them pumped. And he began to pump up the tires. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And as he was pumping the tires, the man at the garage says, "Oh, Philip, your wife's mother. Gosh, I saw her early on the road this morning. And what was that thing she was driving? Some sort of a motor chair with the with a silent engine hidden in it." Philip gave no answer in turn. He just sighed again. You could sigh with me if you will. Mounted the bicycle, got hold of the handlebars and went down the path. He was not long when he came upon Tony and Tony was there in his his pony cart and Tony called down to Philip and he goes, Ah Philip! You know, I saw your, your, your wife's mother. She was, she was early on the road. And, and, and you know, my pony she'd and, and, and tried, tried to chase after that, that, that traveling chair or whatever it is she was driving. And, you know, my pony, she, she was trying to follow after it. I had the hardest of times to get her to stop and she could never have caught it anyways. And Philippi said nothing, just moaned again <sighs> and rode on. in away, all through the day until long about lunchtime he came to a village he stopped at the public house there and he stopped for a sandwich and a drink and the man at the public house says oh philip yes yes maureen's mother she came by here she came flying right down the main street there and she called out to me a cup of tea a cup of tea she called oh i tell you Her eyes were wide and her hair was wired, flying back like a banshee she was. Well, I turned about to put on the kettle By the time I turned round, whoosh, she was all the way out of sight. She must be halfway around Ireland by now. Philip finished up his sandwich, let out a moan, mounted his bicycle, and rode on. As he was leaving the village, there was a man leaning against the gate and he called out and he says, Philip, (laughs) I've heard of a man that chased his wife wherever she'd go, but I've not heard of one that had chased his wife's mother. (laughs) And the man laughed until he cried and Philip just let out another moan. (sighs) Which? And he rode on and on, on and on, all the legs were aching on him, uphill, and down vale, until it was nearly nightfall and he came upon a schoolyard. Well, the master of the schoolhouse, he happened to be going by, then he says, oh yes. A woman came by here. It was when the children were out on their recess break in the morning. And you know, they called out to her. She waved at them and they all gave a great cheer. Ah, but that was many, many hours ago. And Philip just said, Oh, he got off of the bicycle. The man from the school walked on. And Philip thought to himself, what am I going to do? She is indeed probably more than halfway around Ireland by now. I'll never catch up with her. What am I going to do? Oh, my legs are aching. And my seat is hurting from that old bicycle seat. And and then he heard a sound. some coming from behind him. And he turned back. And what should he see rushing towards him? But the little wild white horse with a long mane and a long tail. Now you might ask, how was it coming from behind him? Well, I'll tell you this: it's merely a matter of geography. For you see, Ireland is an island itself. And that wild white horse had gone all the way around Ireland and was about to make a lap on your man, Philip. Well, it went running right past him. And then it stopped and pawed the ground and snorted. Well, a few moments later, there's a great stampeding of horses. And up came all of Philip's horses, running after that wild white horse. They ran right by Philip. And there they were, throwing back their manes, tossing their forelegs into the air. <laughs> all around, gambling about that poker. Or Philip, knew, no. Your man Philip knew who would be coming next. And he looked back behind him, and through the dust from all the horses that had run by, and who should he see coming out of that dust? Ah, you know it yourself. In the wheelchair, here came Agnes. Her eyes were even wider than before. Her mouth opened wide. She had a death grip on both rails of the wheelchair. And here she came flying. Ha <laughs> Well, Philip, he ran up and he caught the two handles of the wheelchair as she went by. And he says... Oh, he said, oh, mother, I've got you, I've got you. He mother, give me the cushion, the cushion. And he pulled the cushion out from behind her, and he tore and ripped it seams. And all the horse hair in that cushion went floating down to the ground, except for a few strands of white hair belonging to that puka. And they floated and sailed through the air until they rejoined themselves to the Pooka's tail, being as they were magic. Well, that Pooka must have given some sort of an order because all at once, all of Philip's horses went trotting off towards home. And that horse, it stood there. That horse stared for a moment at Philip, that wild white horse. And then it turned and sauntered off in the opposite direction. And then Philip, he looked down at his mother, expecting to get great praise from her. And she stared up at him. With a great grimace upon her face, and she said, "Philip, why did you go and ruin my cushion? Ruin your cushion, mother! I saved you! I saved you, haven't I? I saved your life! The the the, the cushion had the tail hairs of the poke in it. Save me, huh? I was having the time of my life. I've never seen so many sights in just one day. And all Philip could say was." Oh, and now here he was 100 miles from home and he has to get his wife's old bicycle and his mother in a wheelchair back to home. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried pushing a wheelchair with just one hand. And I don't know if you've ever tried pushing a wheelchair with one hand and dragging along a rickety old bicycle with the other. I tell you, Phillip's knees and ankles and legs were going this way and that. And it took him two weeks to get on home. And you might think that the tail end's there. But when you're pulling the tail of the puka, there's no telling where the tail might end. For you see, Agnes might not have a magical cushion anymore. But she had a son-in-law. And from that day to this, it's been his job to push her wherever she wants to go. Oh, says your man Philip. And that's a story, a story from Ireland by Kathleen Green, the story of Philip and the Michael Malley. And this has been another episode of Michael the Storyteller Tells